Welcome to the Reminders of Grace podcast. The Reminders of Grace podcast exists to provide a reference for truth, promote a refocus on the gospel, and provoke a profound reminder of grace for our lives today. I am your host. My name is Derek, and I want to welcome you to the show. Welcome back. We are in season two. I hope you all enjoyed the holiday season and were able to experience rest. I hope you took time to remember the grace that we've been given and the grace that we need to give. And I hope that you had time to rejoice in all that you have been through, uh, that you have been brought through this past year. I don't say this lightly. I know for many this past year was extremely heavy and difficult. I know that even for some, the past few months have been nothing short of traumatic. In the midst of all of that, it can be so very hard to feel rested, to remember God's unmerited, undeserved, and unearned kindness and favor toward us, and to even rejoice truly feels like the last thing you could ever bring yourself to do. I do get that. Trite and cliche sayings are not what you need or want to hear, but the truth that God is still God, that he is still in control. Today, that may not be something that you're ready to walk in, but it is no less true. Despite what it may feel like currently, despite what hurt is still very real for you now, that truth is going to be a critical foundation in walking through and walking to that healing. So with that, season two is here, and as a warning, we are stepping into it ready to pick up and carry some really heavy things. This season, we plan to cover some very serious topics and issues, some that may even come attached with controversy and divisiveness, though of course, that is not the goal. But we've been careful in the past to approach anything with superfluous study succinct dialogue, and above all, serious, soul-searching prayer. My goal here is to provide you with truth. The truth tends to divide because the truth defines. And at the same time, I never want mercy, grace, and love to be sacrificed. You might find you disagree with me, and that's okay. But the day that I show that I don't love you, that I'm not willing to extend grace, or that I refuse to walk humbly in mercy, that'll be the day that I unplug this mic for good. And I want us to come back to that as many times as we need to throughout this season. So, as you've seen in the title of this episode, I've already stepped in it. I fully acknowledge the double entendre that I've presented The dual-natured reality of this episode is this. It is not the word you are thinking of. And once we have the word, what we tend to traditionally think about it is not really accurate either. The word and topic we'll be looking at in this episode is the word forgiveness. And maybe it's not the word that immediately comes to mind for the vast majority of us when someone says, quote, the F word. But now that we have the word, I think many times we fail to form an accurate understanding of, and we neglect to carry out an appropriate practice of that word. And on this episode, I want us to walk through forgiveness. So here's the question. What is forgiveness? 
what is forgiveness? Maybe a good place to start would be what forgiveness is not. It is not forgetting about what has been done to you. It is not pretending like it didn't happen. It is not about being the bigger person. It is not doing it only if they're sorry or if they apologize. And it cannot be halfway or partially done. And we'll take time throughout the remainder of this episode to circle back and focus in on some of these. But for now, we've laid a groundwork for what it is not. So what is it? The dictionary would define forgiveness as to grant pardon for or remission of an offense or debt, to absolve, to give up all claim on account, to cancel an indebtedness or liability of, to pardon an offense or an offender. The terms of forgiveness are often used in a financial or even in a criminal context. The words debt, account, offense or offender, and pardon. I believe that's super helpful for us to understand forgiveness better. It puts a difficult reality into terms I believe that we can relate to. The context in which we are talking and walking through here are about personal forgiveness. What I mean by that is forgiveness as it relates between people. There is, of course, a monumental side of forgiveness that we will for sure get to. But for now, we're talking about it as it affects people's relationship to each other. One of the first places we encounter whispers of this is in the story of Jacob and Esau from Genesis 33. By this time, Jacob had tricked and deceived his way into obtaining not one, but two incredibly important parts to the inheritance from his brother. And when his brother fully realized what had happened, he was furious. He wanted to kill him. He had been wronged by Jacob, and he wanted to make Jacob pay. And when we get to Genesis 33, Jacob is married and has a large family. He's gotten things right with God, and he's ready to walk in the blessing that God has just given him the previous chapter. But there's this issue of his relationship with his estranged brother, Esau. He prepares to meet him for the first time since everything went down. And now, fearing all that his brother is still just as furious, if not more so now than he was all those years ago, Jacob pulls out all the stops to try to appease him and make the situation a little less tense. And so he sends ahead gifts and people, and he does this to try to talk Esau down just in case. Jacob comes to his brother and sees that he's shown up with 400 men that no doubt would have been armed, and Jacob immediately thinks, all right, this is it. He's still very upset. But more than likely, that's just how Esau rolled. He wandered the regions and had to be ready to encounter any enemies. But Jacob isn't making that connection, so he divides up his family and all that are with him to do what he can to best protect them for as long as possible. But when the moment came that Jacob and Esau met, something happened that Jacob never expected. Esau ran to him and hugged him, and they shed tears together. It was this picture of forgiveness. There's no chance that Esau forgot about what happened. 
what Jacob took for him from him was a big deal that would have had lifelong, generational, and even eternal ramifications. But Esau met his brother and never mentioned it. Forgiveness wasn't outright explained in that moment, but clearly Esau had released Jacob, the offender, of the offenses that he had perpetrated. Jacob tries to give him gifts still to make up for it, but Esau refuses to take them, presumably not just because he doesn't need them, but because he's already forgiven Jacob. But perhaps one of the most notable stories of forgiveness comes right on the heels of this one. It's a story that unfolds over 12 of the final 13 chapters of Genesis. Joseph was the favored son of his father, Jacob. It was probably the worst kept secret that Jacob had. He made it obvious that Joseph was his favorite, which of course his other brothers couldn't stand. Then Joseph gets these dreams from God, and when he shares them, it further aggravates his brothers. They decide that Joseph has to go. They want to kill him, but settle on just leaving him to die in a pit somewhere. His brothers resign that there's no money in it for them that way, to just let him die, so they sold him into slavery. They literally got rid of their brother, who was their father's favorite, and they didn't kill him, so it could have been worse. And they got money out of it. Well, the story unfolds as Joseph is brought to Egypt. He's put in charge in the home of the highest-ranking military captain in Egypt. He's lied about and falsely accused by the man's wife, and that lands him in prison. Years go by, and through a series of dreams that God uses him to explain, he's given a position of power in Egypt. Well, next to the Pharaoh, there was no one in Egypt more powerful than Joseph. Years of plenty would come and go, and then famine rocks the region. People from all over came to Egypt in search of food. Enter his brothers. The first time encountering Joseph since that fateful day, 20 years prior, when they sold him into slavery. Well, as our interactions unfold for us on the pages of scripture, we come to the conclusion of this ordeal with a meeting. His brothers still feel guilty for what they've done, for how they hated Joseph, for how they treated him, for how they lied to their father, all of it. They were worried that Joseph still had held a grudge and was just waiting for the right moment to pay them back for what they had done. But he didn't. And as the story and the book comes to a close, Joseph reassures his brothers that he doesn't hold what they did to him against them. He tells them that they may have meant to do him harm, but God used it for good. And he reassures them that he's already forgiven them. There would be other stories of forgiveness. David would walk in forgiveness to King Saul for trying to kill him. Daniel would forgive King Darius for throwing him in the lion's den. But I think the next best place for us to go to better understand this reality of forgiveness is in the Gospels, and specifically Matthew's Gospel account in Matthew 18. But before we get into that, let me share this that I think might help provide some context for what we will walk through. In our relationships with each other, we often see them in terms of debt transactions. Someone does something for me, so I, quote, owe them one, and vice versa. 
This was no more evident to me than the time I spent working as a barista at Starbucks. Pay it forward is fine and it's nice, but many people would get to the window and say, I'd like to pay for the person behind me. They let me in. Or I'll pay for the person behind me because someone did it for me yesterday. Now, again, it's not wrong to pay it forward. But I think those statements are quite telling of how we can tend to relate to people sometimes. The inverse and adverse effect of that is when someone does something to me that hurts me. Whether it's mentally, physically, socially, or spiritually, if you would consider yourself a follower of Jesus. We consider that in the form of debt, as we mentioned earlier. But this time, I'm charging interest. We can start to make decisions about our interactions with that person that wronged us based on the debt that we're holding over their head. We might treat them with different levels of respect or even with some hostility or passive aggressiveness, depending on how bad the hurt was. But do you know what this makes us? Not just the creditor, but also the debt collector. In criminal terms, it makes us not only the plaintiff, but also the prison warden. Well, here, on the Reminders of Grace podcast, we unashamedly and unapologetically care far more about what Jesus had to say than what I think. So let's go to his word, and in the interest of time, best invested, we'll step out to expound as we move through. Matthew 18, and the verse 15 says, now if your brother, right away we've stopped because this is important to understand moving forward. Jesus is speaking these words to his disciples, to the 12 Jewish men that he had personally selected to follow him during his teaching ministry on earth and whom he would empower to carry out the message across the globe in his physical absence. These are men that for 11 of them, for sure, had devoted their lives to Jesus. They gave up everything to follow him. And he says, brother, which did not mean biological or familial brother. It didn't mean that you got a pass if you were an only child or if you only had a sister. The term brother spoke in a more broad sense to a brother and yes, even a sister that also was a follower of Jesus. This means that the two people in this following context are both Christians This is important because Jesus is, by way of context, letting us know that people that wrong you are not going to only be strangers or only people you disagree with. People you worship with will wrong you. People you serve with will wrong you. People you love dearly, you will wrong them. It will happen. And while this phrase is pointed towards Christians and followers of Jesus— If you're listening to this and you would not consider yourself as such, there is still something here for you. So stay here as we move through. Jesus says, now, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Two immensely important and critical points here that cannot be overlooked, but often get ignored, misunderstood, and misappropriated. One is if this person wrongs you, Jesus says, you go and tell him. This is beyond counter-instinctive for us because our idea of forgiveness is only when they say they're sorry will I forgive them. Only when I think they're sincerely remorseful and repentant, only when I believe that they have felt bad long enough. 
But something that's so hard for us to do is live in the reality that if someone wrongs us, we are still the ones that are to pursue redemption, restoration, and relationship. I used to teach preschool for a number of years, and I can tell you, it is so important to teach apology to children, to teach them how, why, and with what motives apologies should be given, of course, in a way that is on their level. It's not overly sustainable to just say, well, what do we say? Telling them what to say and why we say it is important. Because those preschool-aged children become older children who become teenagers, who become adults, and it's important that we know how to apologize. Yet Jesus says when it comes to forgiveness, it's not about if they said sorry or even if they are sorry. You go to them. And here's the second thing Jesus says, tell him his fault between you and him alone. That is so tough. Because there are two things that we instinctively do when wronged, and right out the gate, Jesus flips them both on their head. We would rather wait until they come to us and apologize and ask for forgiveness. But Jesus says, you go to them. We already talked about that. The other thing is we immediately go and tell someone else, guess what she said to me? You will not believe what he did, or worse... Did you hear what this person did to this person? And neither of those people are you? Worse still, we get on social media and we anonymously post about it. And we get distant friends, family, and foreigners on our side. And they don't even know what happened. I say we because I am definitely guilty of all of this. We titled this episode, It's Not What You Think, because these two things are how we tend to practice, or at the very least, view forgiveness. And Jesus says, it's not what you think. And in fact, he'll double down on that in just a minute. Moving through, Jesus will go on in the following words to say that if that person listens to you, you've gained a brother. In other words, if they hear you out and listen to what you have to say, relationship is restored and you're good. He continues, if they don't listen after and only after you've gone to them alone, he says, take one or two others with you. And then the progression continues. If they still don't listen, tell it to the church. And if they still don't listen, then contact with them may need to pause or cease. Now, this is extreme. It is a final resort, not a first one or even an early one. It is a final one. And as often was the case, Jesus said something heavy, and the people listening were like, oh, so you mean? Or they would be like, wait, what? And Jesus would go on to explain the principle that he's teaching through a story that the audience could relate to and with which they could draw a connection to. Peter, one of the disciples, would respond from his legalistic mindset to all that Jesus just said, and he would say, how often should I forgive my brother who sinned against me? Up to seven times? For Peter, his Jewish tradition-steeped mind would have taught him that seven was this number of completion. And Peter wanted to know at what point could he be completely done with someone that constantly seemed to need forgiveness for the same offense. And humanly speaking, We've more than likely all been there if we're being humble, open, and transparent. 
We know this person that just isn't getting it. They just have this propensity for wronging us over and over and over again. So how many times do we forgive them? Up to seven times? And I think it's a fair question. Here's how Jesus responds, though. Not seven times, but 70 times seven. 490. Now that's a huge number for one single repeated offense and offender. But while it's still a big number, it's still a reachable and conceivable and even a tangible number. So 491, I'm good, right? False. Jesus is presenting more than mere numbers. 70 is 10 times 7, 10 times the number of completion and perfection for the Jewish traditional mind. It's not about the number. It's about the magnitude. Jesus is conveying that our responsibility is to forgive goes beyond and far beyond any legalistic number that we could consider enough. That's hard for us to understand. Like we're human beings, that's hard for us to understand. That's really hard for us to wrap our minds around. But if that's where we are when it comes to forgiveness... In a space where we'd admit that we just can't wrap our minds around it. It's just too much for us to fully understand. Can I tell you a secret just between us? That's the perfect place to be. Because it should lead us to what we mentioned earlier in this episode. That there's an infinitely monumental side of forgiveness that we need to look at. And so far, everything we've talked about has been about forgiveness as it relates between people. But there's something much grander in play here. In Matthew 18, Jesus would, in verse 23, go on to illustrate this for us. What Jesus tells them is basically this picture of somebody who had this extremely large debt that went and just asked for more time and just asked for just a little bit more mercy and kindness and patience. And he said, I would pay you everything. And the master said, I'll just forgive it. You don't have to pay me anything. You're fine. But immediately after being forgiven, he goes out and he finds someone who owes him a minuscule fraction of what he owed the king, of what he owed that master And he goes out and he demands it. And he says, you owe me this. I paid you this. You owe it to me. You need to pay it back. And so he throws him in jail. And when people see it, they're like, well, I saw what the master did for you. I saw how he forgave you. How could you not go and forgive somebody else? There's no magic formula. There's no secret sauce that allows us to forgive. For many of us, the hurt... The offense is way too great in our minds ever to forgive. And I say that cautiously and carefully because I don't want you to think that the implication is that what you have experienced doesn't really hurt. I don't want you to think that the presumption is that you should just get over it, that you should just move past it, that you should just forget it. For years, there was a trite saying, and perhaps you've heard it as well, that said, forgive and forget that if you haven't forgotten, you haven't forgiven. Well, the problem is that when it comes to hurt, when it comes to deep, real hurt and offenses, we don't forget those things. 
you may have been wronged in the past or you may have wronged someone physically, socially, mentally, emotionally. There may have been abuse. And yes, we're even stepping into that verbal, emotional, physical or neglect. You don't forget that. You just don't. But forgiveness is not about forgetting. Forgiveness is about releasing. God says this when he is talking about the new covenant. When he's talking about the things that the sacrifice of Jesus would make. He says, For I will be merciful toward their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. So God is not a God who forgets. He doesn't forget things. He's choosing not to remember them. It's about choosing not to hold it against someone. It does not mean that it didn't happen. It does not mean that a consequence shouldn't be applied or that justice shouldn't be sought. But the purpose of this episode is not to say, okay, no matter what you've experienced, you need to forgive right now. The prayerful purpose of this episode is so that we can have a better understanding of forgiveness and a greater appreciation for it. What you have been through, what hurts you have experienced, how you have been wronged, or how you have wronged, it may take time. And healing because you and I aren't perfect some of the wounds are deep and the scars are still tender or worse it's so fresh that it hasn't even scabbed over you may still be sitting in bandages literal and metaphoric real forgiveness pure forgiveness and I believe this with my heart is a move of the Spirit of God, and you and I cannot, and we will not, walk in it from our own strength. I want to share one more verse with you as we wind down. A man named Paul writes this as a part of a letter to a church in the ancient city of Ephesus. And right in the middle of his describing what their new life in Christ would look like, Right in the middle of describing what markers would be evident of their new life as a follower of Jesus, he says this, and be kind to one another. If there were some words that we needed to hear over the last 10 years, for sure, the last five, it's those. And be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another. So be kind and tender-hearted in the moments, not if, but when you are not. In the moments when, not if, someone else is not tender-hearted and kind, forgive. Why? Why on earth would I do that? He goes on to say, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Why? Because Jesus died to forgive you. 
well, just as God did this, how did he do it? Completely, unconditionally, and unapologetically. It wasn't halfway. It wasn't partial. It wasn't because we deserved it or we did something to earn it. And it certainly wasn't because we apologized and asked him to. But simply because he loves us. Even though we were unlovely. That's why. This episode was not approached lightly. It was in a very real way agonized over and analyzed in my mind. And even now I'm sure there's things I missed or places I left wanting. The core heart behind this was to share what forgiveness is. How it's not really what we think, but ultimately the heart behind it is this. When we've been hurt, to drive us to Jesus, and just like him, to forgive. If you'd not consider yourself a follower of Jesus or a Christian, as you've listened, maybe you have questions. That's a good place to be. I want to encourage you to reach out in just a moment. I'll let you know some ways that you can do that. Know that this is a place where you will be loved, where you will find grace for wherever you are in life. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, tell me about it. There are a few ways you can connect with me. by Email at remindersofgracepodcast at gmail.com. That's reminders with an S of gracepodcast at gmail.com. In addition, you can find a link to my socials in the info section of this episode. Also, if you could please do me a favor and be sure to leave a review and then click on that subscribe or follow button wherever you engage with the podcast to be certain that you never miss an episode. And as you head into your week, as you navigate through your journey, as you face whatever you face or as you seek to live on mission, be reminded of his grace and know that no matter what, It is always, every single time, greater still.